You're listening to the Pastoral Calling Podcast with Matt Loverin and me, Jim Shamaria. Our goal is to start a conversation about life and leadership in the local church. Welcome back to the Pastoral Calling Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Jim. And we are finally, and I mean finally, coming at you with a quarantine edition of the Pastoral Calling Podcast. This is not because of want of try. We, we have tried many times, too many times to recount here how, how many times we've tried to record an episode of this podcast remotely and have failed spectacularly. Well, including just in the last 30 minutes, which was pretty spectacular. <laughs> I mean, we may have just recorded a whole episode and then I realized I wasn't actually recording any of it. That may have happened, but no, we're, here, Zoom. we're here now, and, uh, and this, is, this is it. We're coming at you. The first few times that we tried to record didn't end so well. Um, we tried to harness the powers of technology to bring PC Pod to the masses and didn't work. I think the first, well, how would you describe the first attempt, what we sounded like? The first one? Uh, so the first one, that was when we were in, uh, at the church, right? I was at the church and you were at your house after we got done. Yeah. When we got done with that, we listened to it back. It sounded to me kind of like, uh, you remember Rosie from the Jetsons that that robot, I have this vivid memory of her and I don't know if this is true, but in my mind, she has like a microwave in her stomach or at least something along those lines, like some sort of like cabinet. It sounded like we we're sitting inside of Rosie, the Jetsons robot butler, and the podcast was coming somewhere from inside her bowels out into the world. It was that, that sort of quality. To the extent that robots have bowels. In the second attempt, there was some <laughs> kind of crazy reverb uh, echo thing going on. Yeah, like, like we moved up from Roby, Rosie's stomach up to like her throat or something. It was like we were in a two second time delay with ourselves by the end of the podcast, by the end of the podcast. <laughs> we somehow crossed the, uh, the space the time continue. <laughs> but now our goal is to, to give you something a little bit more quality. So here we are, uh, we've made it and we're recording and we want to catch up with you on the last four to five weeks of ministry, everything ever since things started going down. And um, in a way that's maybe, helpful that we weren't uh, making this podcast part of the noise that was happening yeah. a month ago, even yeah. though we and ourselves, we wanted to kind of do a hot take and get some content out there and kind of produce for you what we, what was happening from our perspectives. Real time. A chance. Now, now we can step back and we can offer some, some perspective on what the, has the last four weeks been like and How's it affected our ministry and what do we do looking forward? Yeah, we've definitely kind of settled in over the last little bit in a way that, I mean, everybody has, it's not just pastors who have done this. I think everybody is kind of adjusting to this new way of life. Even if people who, who don't work, you know, it's, it's still a whole new rhythm of how to do things. But I think jobs like pastors and, and others as well, but especially like pastors, like so much of what we do is kind of the interpersonal type thing. Um, 
I know, at least for me, that's one thing that has become very clear to me is as much as I love preaching and um, enjoy that as a major focus in my ministry, I've, I've been reminded during this period that I'm not called to simply be a preacher, right? But I'm called to be the, the shepherd of the congregation. And that's difficult when your congregation is all locked in their own homes and you're locked in your home. Um, so it's, it's taken a lot of restructuring on my end. I'm sure for you guys too, just uh, in what you're doing and just home life for the Loverins. Well, for sure. We went from having one homeschooler who's 13 and, and pretty self-reliant and, and good at adapting to um, the structures and environment of being at home. She kind of directs her own plan for her education and, and we trust her with that. And then suddenly we have four homeschoolers and they all have take home work from their school and uh, zoom meetings with their classrooms and, and a broken arm and a, and the broken arm happened then. And we got a kitten right at the beginning of the quarantine. Like you <laughs> that's do. A good, that's a good looking cat, by the way. It's like, um, part Fox. It's like very, not part Fox, part lion, very tiger King esque. Yeah. She's a Bengal cat. We named her copper and she's got uh, like lion. No lions don't have markings. She's got tiger <laughs> markings and leopard markings and cheetah markings. So spots and, and dots and yeah, just start calling you Matt cat. exotic. Yeah. Since we've got the, uh, the zoom, video recording going on i should bring her on as a guest that's true we could see her she could uh have her say but yeah you guys have totally had to kind of reframe home life huh yeah and i mean online education at grace we've switched all of our traditional college classes that were in person face-to-face -face meeting connecting with students just like you would your congregation yeah. We moved all of those classes online very early, even before there was a government shutdown or cancellation of any, any of the school year for, for the public schools. We um, have since kind of not gone to campus. We work remotely. We work from home. And so all of our meetings are virtual. And we don't hardly have a, but one room in our house where you could go to get yeah. a quiet spot for a virtual meeting. And it's, it's really challenging to, to manage the homeschoolers and to try to feel like I can get work done and um, connecting with people is super challenging. And so you put all of those variables together and it adds up to a very um, stressful and overwhelming situation. And I think early on in the crisis, pastors and educators, really all of us were just kind of reacting to that situation right. kind of in a survival mode what do we need to do to survive yeah. and now things i won't say that um you know we're flattening the curve necessarily or over the hump but but there's certainly a chance to to draw a deep breath now that we're after easter and mm -hmm. we're thinking about how, how to have some some larger perspective on all of this take a step back from it and say where do we go from here yeah. And it's, it's funny, like as it, as it goes on, one of the things that you start to notice, and like you said, you, when it first came in, when everything first started changing, I think many of us kind of switched into like leadership mode, you know, like, all right, this is what we got to do. This is what it's going to take. Let's, let's do this. Let's make this happen. But eventually that kind of wears off and you start to kind of notice the things that were just kind of the normal background noise of like life and ministry 
that suddenly is not there because you're doing ministry in isolation. I know for me, um, one of the things that probably became most apparent is how much of, of my pastoring I do in the 30 minutes between 9.30 when people start showing up to get coffee and 10 o'clock when our church service begins. And then again, in the 15 minutes between church and Sunday school, and then those final kind of 15 minutes as people are, are leaving, that hour of, of ministry that is not structured in any way, um, I re, I've, I've been reminded of how significant and important that is for what I do, for kind of just connecting with the congregation and just those quick little hellos and reading body language and seeing people and seeing the different relationships that are being formed and being built and just kind of the, the, the shepherding that takes place in those unstructured times. Uh, I'm realizing now that we don't have them of how, how critical and important that is to, to the health of, of our church. I definitely can relate to that and feel the same when it comes to those moments of connecting with students, either in the classroom face-to-face or before and after class, or you see them for a cup of coffee or you have lunch together and all the things that you can't do now. I'll give another example. I went down to bring some food to our friends and fellow coaches down at the gym and it was a no contact delivery. Good for you. There was social distance that happened. Um, (laughs) But one of the things that, Uh, Joe, our owner said, and this is another, like the athletic training industry is just a very personal face-to-face hands-on kind of blood, sweat, and tears kind of enterprise. And, and just for them to see people, you can, they're just like, it's so good just to see anyone. Hmm. Like, could you come back? Well, I don't know if I could come (laughs) back, you know, but you know, we, um, we're, we're social beings. And so we need yeah. that on some level. And when you take that away, it, it takes away um, kind of a, I think what we're feeling and what we're grieving is kind of this, this fundamental part of who we are as human beings to not have yeah. those connections. Yeah, for sure. The Peterson talks a lot about um, the importance of small talk or the art of small talk. And that was something he really had to learn. And whenever I go over that sort of thing with students, when I'm teaching, um, pastoral students in the few classes that I've taught. They're like, will, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, some of them get like, like visibly like upset about that because they're just very purpose driven people, right? <laughs> they are, they're here to accomplish something and to do something and small talk to them just kind of gets in the way of that. And that's exactly kind of what Peterson said is it's, it's true that it gets in the way of accomplishing things, but what it, what it is is it's essential for interpersonal relationships. It's essential to build the sort of community that a church needs. Um, and, and you can't do that. You know, even, even um, just, you know, people talking back and forth on social media, it synthesizes that, right? Because you think, Oh, we're interacting with one another. We are having conversation. We're dialogue. We're being together. But it, you're not, you are talking and then you're waiting an hour and somebody else is talking and then they're waiting. Right. And so it's still, it's not the same sort of tangible embodied thing that comes along with just having a cup of coffee with somebody, you know, having that shared experience 
of, of being, being present with somebody that is so essential, I think to, to being human, like you said, but also that, that spiritual growth that comes as a result of that sort of thing, that spiritual connection that happens. For sure. And so you take, you take Sunday morning and that congregational life out of the equation, there's not much more left to that. Even take out your Wednesday nights or you know, right. other activities, even for, for children and teenagers, you know, I've got a teenager and I know that she's suffering from yeah. not having that face-to-face interaction with her peers twice a week. And so the, you can do social media, but everyone knows that it's, uh, kind of a, a facsimile. It's a simulacrum. Mm-hmm. It's 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 social, but it's mediated through mm-hmm. these screens. And um, I think to a certain extent, like the video call is better than yeah. you know the the text message or the uh, or the even the multi-person Zoom meeting. Well, but, but still, we were just talking that it, it's even hard to to do this because you miss the, like the real time play that comes in a conversation, you know, because there's just a little bit of a delay. And so that's sort of like back and forth that, uh, that comes when you're having a conversation with somebody in real life, like that's even different. It's close, but it's not quite there. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's mediated and all of that to say, I guess that as pastors and as leaders we're forced to, look at our options, consider our options. How is it possible to best minister and do the work that we're called to do and take care of people, right? Because that's the, yeah. that's the calling um, in the midst of kind of that main face-to-face interaction being stripped away. Yeah. And, it, and, it's, and it's, you know, everyone says, well, it's unprecedented. You've never seen a challenge like this before. And it's so true that we've never seen anything like that before, but it does present opportunities for maybe not just the social media and streaming services and things like that, but maybe for a deeper appreciation yes. to the work of the work when we come back to it, assuming that we come back to it at some point. Yeah. Like I so often on a Sunday morning have to remind myself to not go from point A to point B so quickly, you know, even like physically, like going from my office to the sanctuary, but I have to remind myself, slow down, stop. Like, this is what you're here to do. Those last few thoughts that you're trying to figure out about your sermon that just aren't coming together. That's less important than these couple conversations you're going to have in the next 20 minutes, you know? And so I, I think, I hope that this time will be, a reminder of that and a reaffirmation of that. Um, and I think to the congregation as well, like they will, we will all appreciate those, those moments more. So once, uh, once we get out of this thing. At the same time though, the crisis kind of adds this extra pressure. And, and maybe you alluded to it a minute ago where everyone goes into leadership mode, you know, in the first yeah. week or two and you like, yeah, like just take all of the dials, you turn them up to 11 and you like say, I'm going to defeat this crisis through my own sheer power of will and the work that I put into (laughs) it. Yeah. And at the same time, you know, that pace isn't sustainable. And so, um, I guess what, what pressures do you feel on your ministry? And then, um, how, how does that affect 
like your own sense of identity and personal calling when when you're not able to fulfill that as as much as you'd like to yeah i mean it's this this interesting thing where because i'm not able to do the things that i do without thinking right so again that that sunday morning stuff where like i'm not going out of my way to have check-ins with people i'm not having to make an extra effort to just say hi to somebody, to read their body language, to ask how they're doing, how their brother's doing, how their mom's doing, how, you know, all that stuff that suddenly now I, I feel like in order to maintain that same sort of relationship with the congregation, I have to be putting an effort into something that was up until this point, just like a natural byproduct of, being together on a Sunday morning. And so there is this sort of like, how much is enough? What's too much sort of thing. You know, we, when this first started, I kind of, because of my personality, um, kind of jumped, jumped in a little too deep, you know, and, uh, wanted to put new content out there, you know, twice a week and a prayer video twice a week and devotional thoughts, like all this stuff. And uh, it got to the point where like I was trying to edit a devotional video on a Tuesday afternoon and I didn't have time to actually work on my sermon that I was supposed to preach the next week because I was spending all my time editing this video. And I was just like, this is, I can't, we can't do this. This is not sustainable for me. And this isn't sustainable for the congregation. I mean, uh, anybody out there who is at all connected digitally knows how much stuff is just constantly right. It's like a tsunami of media and information and content. And there's a, a sense that if you can't read all of it, if you can't imbibe all of the stuff that's coming, you're not a good Christian. You're not a good, whatever. Like you have to read all the devotionals. You have to listen to all the prayer videos. You have to do all this stuff. If you want to, to kind of earn your Christian badge for that week, uh, and that's not healthy either. And so I realized that I was, I had I'd put this pressure on myself, but in turn, what I was ending up doing was putting a new pressure on my congregation. So I had to really dial it way back. And, um, some of my staff, uh, the, some of the, the ladies on my staff kind of helped me realize that what I was doing was not actually helping, but it was harming. And, um, and kind of just change our approach and just say, all right, let's just kind of do our thing, do what we would do normally, just try to do it digitally, you know? Um, and so that, that was a, an interesting experience of kind of coming to terms in real time with the fact that I was doing too much. I was putting unnecessary pressure on myself and on the congregation uh, rather than simply just being present with them in this thing, you know? And I think that some of that's personality and, and there are some pastors out there who are listening to this who are maybe a little bit more hardwired in their personality to achieve and kind of be out there and be killing it every day. I think some are more relational and they, and they want that more personal connection with everyone. And, and I think both, both of those ends of the spectrum are, are suffering right now facing yeah real challenges of that external pressure because there's also not only is there all of that flood of media there's kind of that same pressure to i would say to produce like to produce content to do my part yeah. to 
and, and you almost become a part of that flood un- yeah. in an unhelpful way. Yeah. Unless what you're doing is very specifically geared toward building up your community and a very specific group of people. And so, I mean, I see good examples of that. I see um, not so good examples of that and really, every, and really everything in between. But I like the way you put it that the, what, what I sense people appreciating the most is an acknowledgement that we're all in this together. And even I, as a pastor or a leader or a college professor, or, you know, pick, pick your own role in your, in your work, kind of in your nine to five job or your vocation. Um, I'm affected by this too. This is also affecting me. It, it, disrupts my family life. It makes it difficult to, to structure my day and, and, and feel like I'm putting adequate time into my work. When I do sit down to work, I find that I'm distracted by a hundred different things. And there's, <laughs> and there's really like this slow rolling trauma and this slow rolling of grief and change that that's affecting all of us. <laughs> and what I think it should do is take the pressure off of us as leaders to, um, to feel like we have to be the ones who win the day. Um, Instead um, of making the metric getting work done or producing or, you know, even leading through the storm or something like that, it's more, um, you know, being faithful being consistent, being a person of prayer, being a source of strength and comfort for people who are also struggling. And and so much of that is attending to our own souls and going deep in this time so that we can have something to give to our wives, to our children, to our communities. We don't, I think we win by going deep and, and going internal and taking these things to God rather than going outward first and and crushing it or or killing it and then like being known for how well we did during this time but we were like we lose something of depth that we huh. sacrifice for that yeah for sure and i think uh, one of the things that i've picked up on just from talking to other pastors is like that is a shared experience that we're all trying to work through of like this feeling of what is, what is the, what should I be doing? Like what, what is the correct way to, to respond to that and to handle that? And uh, I, I was having um, a zoom meeting with some pastors that I, we meet with once a month, you're normally for lunch. And that was kind of what everybody echoed. And it, it almost kind of surprised me because I thought maybe I was the only one who was feeling like, am I doing this right? Am I, am I doing this the correct way? You know, those guys seem like they have it together pretty well And all of them to a person said, I just don't feel like I'm doing what I, what I need to be doing as far as like the, the pastoral work. One of them uh, even specifically said, I thought this was really um, insightful is like, he's, he said, I feel like I'm, I'm not, I'm doing everything worse right now. Like I'm not being a good dad at home because I'm not used to being at home all the time. And that's just a really difficult thing. I feel like I'm being worse at being a pastor because I'm not able to pastor like I at least do. And it's just kind of this, like, I just, 
he said something along those, I was not wired for quarantine. I was not created for this type of experience. Um, and yeah, I, I think you're right of like learning to reframe that. And especially for those of us who, who are leaders vocationally, right. Who, um, who are, uh, our, our job, our task, our, in many ways, our identity is wrapped up in kind of leading, right. Being, up front, being in front of people to, to not have that and to learn to find identity. Um, like you said, in going deep and in going inward. Um, and also in the, you know, just finding that in our, in our relationship with God and, and who we are in that, that aspect, I think is, is so important during a time like this. That's really great that you could have that kind of connection, even if it was a mediated connection, video yeah. connection with other pastors but I think that's really revealing. And I hope this is a big encouragement to anyone who's listening to this, that like there, I guess I just want to say that God's grace is sufficient, like huh. in our weakness. That's, that's a, one of the fundamentals of grace is that uh, where our weakness or our failure is most evident, that's almost the better place for right. God's grace and God's power to be at work. Um, and, and almost to invite that kind of weakness. And I think it's really great for us when we can be vulnerable with other pastors and leaders and share, Hey, I'm going through this too. Um, are you feeling like I'm feeling? And I think <laughs> that will be, like you said, to a person that was the shared experience. And, and if we're all feeling this way, well, where does that pressure come from? Right? Yeah. It's got to come from our, it's got to come from our pride. It's got to come from our desire to, to please our parents, you know, or uh, yeah. somehow earn favor with God, like some kind of weird thing is built into us to say, no, I've got to do this, even though, you know, I'm, I'm running on fumes, and, and it's just a grind every day. Uh, but to take that time to, to recognize and to process and slow down. Um, this is hard for everyone. This is really hard. And then, and then to turn to the people who are closest to you and say, you know, we're in this together. I support you. Um, I'm sorry. I've been a jerk. This is really hard to do right now. Um, but it, it's going to transform so many things. It's going to transform how we do higher ed for sure. It's going to transform life in the local church. And so we need, I think our focus can be during quarantine can be what kind of people are we becoming yeah. So that we can do the next phase well, whatever that looks yeah. like. Yeah. Right. You know, people talk about how this is going to be kind of the nine 11 moment for this generation, you know, like the moment that changes how we do things and, and who knows, who knows what's going to happen in two months or three months when the quarantine starts to get lifted and things get back to somewhat normal. But I can only imagine that, like you said, like, it is going to be a new phase, a new chapter. Like there is going to be different ways that the local church is going to operate. And some of that may be returning to things that we've forgotten um, as, you know, church growth movement business strategies kind of took over for the, for so long. Maybe this is like the jarring moment of pulling us back into a really kind of family based community focused expression of the church. Um, 
or maybe not. Maybe it's going to lead us to people say, well, I got just everything I need by staying in my home on Sunday. So why can't I continue to do this? And, you know, maybe that creates a whole new set of, of things we're going to need to work through and talk about of like, what is the importance of actually physically meeting together? Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm very curious as to what, what this is going to look like in, in a few months. Um, but I, I'm sure it will certainly have long reaching effects on the local church and how we do ministry. So the best thing I've read about this and uh, there's about a 30 minute podcast that goes with it is by Andy Crouch. And he wrote a book called about 10 years ago called culture making. Uh, we use this book in our um, first course in the master's degree at grace. I remember. And the, the name of the podcast is the redemptive edge. Hmm. And the, title of this episode is leading beyond the blizzard and there's a really long article that goes along with it but the podcast is also good if you have like a just like a 30 minute time you want to listen to something um but he says basically right now use the example of a snow day earlier he says right now we're we're still in the blizzard and maybe in the next few weeks we come to the end of the blizzard but understand that this blizzard is like the beginning of uh, uh, winter and that's going to be the next six to 18 months of really substantive social upheaval and change. And some of that is healthcare related. Some of that's political. Some of that is economic, the way that people's financial lives have been disrupted by the crisis, but also understand that we could be looking at, you know, beyond that for two to three to five years, kind of a mini ice age where in terms of organizations, in terms of small businesses, in terms of leadership, uh, we're really being forced to look at doing things in a completely different way that, that will change. And, and we have to change in order to survive, to get to the other side of that. And so um, that was, I just keep coming back to that metaphor to remind myself from day to day, gosh, it feels like today was a really hard day. Oh, today was a little bit better, but we're still only in the first stages of the blizzard. Yeah, for sure. And that's, I think, the probably a, a good perspective for us to have, like, in the Latin, again, who knows how long the, the blizzard part of it is going to be. But as we seem to be kind of moving back towards a reopening, probably really important for us to do so with the sort of open openness to the fact that this is, there are going to be far reaching changes from this. Um, and it, it's going to impact how we, how we do everything. So I think what would be great is if you're listening to this and you have ideas about, or you want to share something that your church is doing, maybe it's really something unique and you think is working, it would be beneficial. It would be awesome for you to connect with us on, on Twitter or in the comments on the show uh, so that you can share with us and maybe we can reach out to you and, and we can all work together in this to say what's, what's working for our various communities and collaborate, um, learn from each other, but also support and encourage each other so that we can feel like we're not alone in this because a lot of times what happens is 
were siloed often as churches anyway, mm. or as small businesses, organizations like, oh, there's no one else who's going through what I'm going through. And then even as individual leaders in that, we feel even more isolated. The more we can connect with the people we can connect with and, and they're encouraging people in our lives, they help us to feel heard and supported. Uh, I think that's going to be something so important helping us stay healthy as leaders in the time that, that we're facing in the next three to six months at least. Yeah, I think even just that experience of other people saying, oh yeah, that's my, that's what I'm feeling too. Is just a, was a really comforting thing to know that we're all, we're all feeling lost. <laughs> so there, there's comfort in that, but we will, we will carry on. And uh, maybe next time we get together, maybe it's in person, maybe it's zoom. We'll talk a little bit about what, what changes we think this is going to have on church and life and all that sort of thing. Yeah, maybe we can even bring in one of our remote guests that we've been planning to have. Oh, I think this is a perfect time now that we've figured out the technology of the Zoom. I'll well, use that. We think we figured out, out the in technology. scare quotes <laughs> very loosely. Yeah. Having figured it out, yeah, uh, we will look forward to having a guest on the pod next time. That'd be great. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, hope you're doing well, staying healthy, and all that stuff. And uh, Yeah, thanks for tuning in. Stay home, stay safe. (laughs) We'll talk to you later. You've been listening to the Pastoral Calling Podcast with Jim Shamaria and me, Matt Loverin. Join us every two weeks as we start a new conversation about life and leadership in the local church. If you like us, make sure you follow us on SoundCloud or on iTunes, and also tell all your friends so they can join the conversation.